0: Sanctuaries can be spooky places. Have you ever come into here in the middle of night when there's no light at all and you, it's, it's dark, it's, it's drafty, you, you hear echoes and you come and you sit down and you sit silently. You can hear your own heartbeat in your head after a while and you can hear the building creak. And especially if there's any wind out there, you can really hear the building creak and moan as wind blows against it. The sanctuary is going to be spooky places in the dark. As most of you know, I spent some time discerning a call to the monastic life. I, I considered the possibility that God had called me to become a monk, and so I, I'd gone to Boston. I'd spent time in the, in the, uh, the monastery of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, an Anglican monastic order located in England in the United States. And I spent time in the monastery in Boston studying my vocation, determining by prayer and study what God was calling me to do. I like to go back to that monastery on a regular basis to spend time in retreat and prayer and reflection. They're a wonderful group of monks. They welcome me back all the time. I am an associate of their community. One time I was there in prayer and they go through a, a daily cycle of prayer in the monastic life. You wake up in the morning, you have morning prayer at 730. You then have a mid-morning Eucharist at 1030. You have noonday prayer at noon and then in the evening you have evening prayer followed by Compline just before you go to bed at 830. Just before you go to bed, you have the evening prayers called Compline. And it was during Compline, I was sitting in the chapel with the other monks and we had just finished chanting the Psalm and there was a period of silence. And in the middle of the silence, I could hear suddenly in the distance, a horrible sound, a frightening sound, a spooky sound. And it went something like this. Greg, 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 and I'm starting to get a little nervous and I start looking around at the monks around me, Greg, Greg, God, are you trying to speak to me? I think I hear my name and they're Greg, oh, Greg, and finally one of the monks tapped me on the shoulder and he said, nearly, I nearly jumped out of my skin when he did that, he tapped me on the shoulder and says, don't worry, it's just a bunch of cats outside having a fight. <laughs> or doing something else that cats will do. <laughs> Sometimes it is strange. You hear a voice, you hear a sound and you wonder, what is that? Especially when you are in prayer, you're contemplation, you're concerning or you're worried or you're afraid and you're listening to try to hear the voice of God. Almost anything can sound like God's voice. Samuel was a young man. He was serving as an acolyte for Eli the high priest. And one of the responsibilities of the acolyte was to make sure that the flame on the uh, oil lamp did not catch the rest of the tabernacle in the wilderness on fire. You've got to remember, the, at this time, they didn't have a physical temple, a, a temple made of stone. They had a physical one, but it was made of tents and fabric. And so they could be taken down and moved around. They moved the Ark of the Covenant and their temple around. It was like a mobile temple. And therefore, it was susceptible to being burned if the flame of the oil lamp were to get off onto any of the material making up the walls or the side or the ceiling. And so one of the acolytes' responsibility was to sleep in the tabernacle to sleep there inside the tent to make sure that the flame didn't catch the tabernacle in the wilderness on fire so in the middle of this Samuel hears this voice calling his name Samuel, Samuel of course he thought it was Eli, his boss the high priest, so he gets up and he runs here here I am I didn't call you, Eli said go back to bed, stop bothering the boy So he goes back to bed, goes lay down. Just as he's starting to drift off again to sleep, suddenly he hears, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up and runs into Eli. Here I am, boss, I'm here. I I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Third time it happens. Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, runs into Eli. And Eli knows. Somebody is calling this young boy. And that somebody is God. It is the Lord. So the next time you hear it, Samuel, next time you hear your name being spoken, called out to you, it is the Lord, say, here I am, speak to me. Now go back to bed. And Samuel goes back to bed. And it happens. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak. For your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. Interesting way of putting it, isn't it? Not just the left ear, not just the right ear. Both ears, of anyone who hears of this, they're going to tingle when they hear this news. Well, this must be some great news. This must be some wonderful news. It must be some good news. After all, the people have been in a period of spiritual depression. There are no prophets in the land. There are no visions being seen. The land is going through a very difficult time under the administration of Eli the high priest. It's as if God isn't present amongst the people. So this is going to be some good news if all the ears of the people are going to tingle when they hear it, that's great, right? Yeah! Let's hear this great, good, wonderful news! On that day, as their ears are tingling, in other words, on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to to end. Uh-oh. You see, if you've read the preceding chapter, if you've read chapter 2, you know that Eli and, uh, Eli's sons, actually, are a bunch of scoundrels. Chapter 2. Now Eli was, in verse 22, Now Eli was very old. He heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women of uh, who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. They were, ha- they were having sex with the women who guarded the entrance to the temple where God was. They were doing evil things. They were a bunch of scoundrels, and Eli was doing nothing to stop them. He could not control his sons. He could not raid them in. And so God here in chapter 2 has said, that's it, it's over with. The sin, the, uh, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas... I'm going to kill him. You know, I, I once heard a preacher say that he thought it would be wonderful if his name could be written down in the Bible for people for all generations to read and know about him. Well, not if you're Hophni or Phineas. That You don't want to have God's immortal memory of you being, I'm going to kill you. Oof. Not only that, But the promise that God had made to Eli about Eli's priesthood, about Eli's family, that it would reign forever, nah, I'm taking all that back. I'm taking all that back. For I have told him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not Restrain them. This message is nothing new. This message is not a surprise. This message is something that Eli was essentially expecting or should have been. This is a message that he, frankly, already knows is coming. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. But God, you're gracious. God, you forgive. God, you told us if we did these sacrifices, you, sorry, there's not a single sacrifice you can make. You could sacrifice a thousand sheep or a thousand bulls. It does not matter. There's not a single sacrifice you can do, Eli, that will wipe out this sin. That'll make it okay. Your sons were a bunch of scoundrels. You're, you did nothing to control them. I've had it. Ooh, I don't like that. Well, if you want to read more detail about what his sons were up to, go back and read chapter 2 when you get home. Samuel will lay there until morning. He didn't get a bit of sleep. I'm almost certain of that. He probably laid there and wondered, Oh, oh no, God, why do I have to hear this? I don't. Look, I'm just a little acolyte. I haven't even been to seminary yet. How can I? I haven't spoken to the bishop. I haven't been ordained. How can I say this to my boss? Samuel will lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. <laughs> yeah, you'd be too. If you had this kind of a vision, you wouldn't want to share this with the high priest of the people, the one who is responsible for your bread and butter and the sacrifices that make you whole. You don't want to say this. After all, who's going to know? You and God, right? Right. Well, in this case, you, God, and Eli. But you could make the story up. You could lie there, okay, let's see. I'll tell him that God said that he is to make me his assistant high priest. Yeah, right. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. I bet he didn't really want to come quickly this time. Here I am. Eli said, What was it that God told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also. If you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Eli knew this was going to be bad news, friends. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given this warning. He wouldn't have threatened him with having more, uh, even greater penalty placed upon him. He wouldn't have done that if he hadn't already known. If he did not know way down deep inside that this was going to be bad news. He knew it was coming. And you know what? If only he had shown this kind of fortitude in dealing with his sons earlier and willing to face the facts earlier instead of turn his head and pretend as if he didn't know what his boys were doing. Hmm. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Oh, that must have been hard. Samuel told him everything, the whole story, everything that the Lord had said to him that night about how his, his, there's no way you could get any kind of forgiveness, there's no amount of sacrificing you can do that will make things right with God. This is it. It's over. It's done. It must have been tough to share this difficult message. And I'm sure he probably expected Eli to throw him out, ignore him, cut his throat, silence him, get rid of him, ignore him. Listen to what Eli says. It is the Lord. Literally, it is Yahweh. Let him do what seems good to him. Ooh. That takes quite a bit of fortitude, too, to be willing to say, okay, that's it. God's in charge. God's my boss. I've screwed up. Let God do what seems good to God. Hmm. Hearing the voice of the Lord is not always easy. In fact, most of the times when you read in Scripture about people hearing a word of the Lord, they hear a negative word. They hear a word that's hard to proclaim. They hear a word that is difficult. They hear a word that they don't want to proclaim. They hear a message that they would rather sit on, they would rather ignore, they would rather deny. They don't want to say it. When Jonah heard the message that he was supposed to go to Nineveh, he runs the other way. Rather than go and preach a message of doom and gloom, then when finally he gets on board by getting thrown overboard and then swallowed up by a fish and then vomited out on the land, he goes to Nineveh, he preaches the message, the people repent, and then he gets all upset with God when God says he's not going to destroy them. Proclaiming the word of the Lord is not always easy. In fact, really proclaiming the word of the Lord is usually really hard and very expensive at least in the way that the world looks at it because the message you proclaim is usually one of you messed up one of god's gonna judge one of you need to make a correction about, and this doesn't change, by the way, very much when you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's not this bit about God of the Old Testament this wrathful God of judgment and the God of the New Testament is is a God of love and peace and grace. No, No. Think about it. What did Jesus have to say to the rulers and the leaders of the people? You're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. All pretty on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. He had a bunch of words of harsh criticism to speak for people like me. People who were in positions of leadership and authority and power in the religious community. A message you didn't want to hear. No wonder they wanted to kill him. Try to shut him up. When God calls you to speak, it's not always a wonderful message. It often takes its toll. I praise God that we've been given the message of grace and peace and love, the message of faith, the message that we have in Jesus Christ, that all we need to do is receive the grace of God, say yes to the calling that He has on our lives, say yes to Jesus Christ, and we can move forward. That's a wonderful message to proclaim. I want to preach it every single week. In fact, I do preach it frequently. So often that sometimes I'm told, Greg, you don't ever preach about... The other stuff. You don't ever preach a fire and brimstone message. Well, usually the people that are complaining about me not preaching fire and brimstone messages are complaining that I'm not preaching fire and brimstone messages about to other people. Heaven forbid I ever preach it at them. It's interesting, in the the passage it says that Eli's sins and the sins of his sons will not be forgiven. There's no way you can expiate it. There's no way you can wipe out the sin. There's no way you can wipe out the penalty. There's no way you can wipe it out. And it says, forever. Literally, more accurately, for a season. For a time. For a period. Because we proclaim that in Christ Jesus every single sin that has been committed, past, present, and future, every single sin that has been committed, even the sins of Hophni and Phineas and Eli for failing to stop them, were placed on Christ on the cross. We're called to proclaim a message, calling people to return to God, to return to the calling that we have received and the calling that we have received as the church is to proclaim a message of the love of God for all and yet the church is so frequently closing its doors to some because of how they look how they dress how they speak their language their nationality their education or lack thereof their wealth or lack thereof we're so frequently closing the doors On people that don't look and sound and act and speak like us. So frequently, the church is not doing what God calls it to do. So frequently, the church is failing to speak the word of God about the love of God. In many ways, we kind of are like Eli's sons, we're a bunch of scoundrels. When we hoard it to ourselves and refuse to let all in to hear the good news. My sisters and brothers, are you listening? Are you looking? Are you wanting to hear a word of the Lord? The warning. It can be difficult to hear that word. We see it here with Samuel hearing this message of condemnation for Eli. I'm sure he didn't want to proclaim it. In fact, we know he didn't want to proclaim it. He was scared, but he did it anyway. Do you want to hear a word of the Lord for you? Are you going to be open to what God is going to say to you? Usually it begins with you being willing to be receptive to what God will say through Scripture, through your friends and neighbors, through the needs of those that you see around you. Are you willing to be open to a word of the Lord? And are you willing... To hear and receive and implement that word in your life. So often we focus in on what it means for others. Right now I want to ask you what does it mean for you to hear a word of the Lord? What does it mean for you to hear God speaking in your life? And are you going to respond? Look at Eli's response again. He said, it is the Lord, it is Yahweh. Let him do what seems good to him. Are we willing to be gutsy enough to say it is Yahweh, it is God, it is our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's going, if it seems good to him, then we're going to do it. You know, Jesus gives us a whole lot of directions about loving our neighbor as ourselves, about feeding the hungry, and Housing the homeless and clothing the naked. He, he, he speaks a lot about caring for widows and orphans. He speaks a lot about giving to those who are in need. He speaks a lot about breaking down barriers of division. He speaks a lot about forgiveness. Forgive those who have sinned against you. He speaks about, about all those types of things. So often the church doesn't do them. Are we willing to hear the word of the Lord about that? and then do the word of the Lord. It is the Lord. Let Him do what seems good to Him. It is the Lord. The Lord will do what the Lord will do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of all Holy Spirit. Amen.